Well, today we continue our Advent Psalm series as we take a look uh, uh, this week at, the, at peace. Uh, last Sunday we considered hope, uh, that Jesus Christ is the only hope of the world, uh, that apart from him there is no hope, uh, that mankind lives in a hopeless state in need of salvation. Uh, and today we are going to find out uh, what the Word of God has to say in relation to peace. And I don't have to tell you that there exists a lot of conflict in our world. Uh, There's a lot of conflict even within each one of us. Uh, Whether you realize it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, there is a lot of internal personal struggles that people face. Uh, You yourself may not be experiencing any doubts or worries or fears over failures or things of that sort this morning, but you may be sitting next to someone who is. Uh, Because there are many things in this world as we try to live in it, uh, as we try to gain perspective to understand why we're here, uh, and to give meaning and identity to our lives, uh, that we find very quickly that there are many struggles that we have to overcome. Doubts in relation to the things that we're told, doubts in relation to who we are personally, Things that we worry about that are outside of our control. Things that we worry about that are within our control. And as we take a look at our lives, we oftentimes remember the failures more than we count the blessings. Uh, And so there is much of a conflict even within each one of us individually. But then you can take and go outside of that externally because there are relational struggles in our world outside of your personal existence. Uh, There are struggles in relation to the injustices that are done to people, Uh, that there is violence that goes unchecked, Uh, there is violence that uh, takes uh, things away from people, uh, but also takes life away from people. There's all kinds of criminal activity that happens uh, in uh, the world at, at large. We're seeing more of injustices, violence, and criminal activity in our country. All you have to do is turn on the news and realize that in many of the larger cities in our country, that deaths are at a 30 record year high. Uh, And that there's a reason for that, because people are not at peace. They live only for their own personal wants and desires, and it doesn't matter who uh, they hurt in the process. They will do whatever is necessary to take care of themselves. Then you can take it even a step further and go globally, uh, because yes, there is conflict within our own country, but there's also conflict throughout the world. There's terrorism that takes place, uh, and you know, not too long ago, we experienced terrorism coming right to our country. Uh, there's martyrdom. You know, we live pretty protected when it comes to uh, our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but there are many countries around the world where Christians are losing their lives for the sake of Christ. People are being martyred left and right. But there's also war that takes place. Maybe not on the scale of, say, a World War I or World War II or the Korean War or the Vietnam War, you know, or the Gulf War. But there are wars, there are struggles that do take place. The thing is, it's no coincidence that the Middle East is one of the least peaceful places on earth. Because that is where the Lord Jesus Christ came. 
and where he shared with the world as he communicated the truth of who he was and why he came, that many people rejected that peace. That instead they desired to fulfill the desires of the sinful flesh and live however they wanted. It didn't matter who they hurt or whose life they took. Because even the people of Jesus' day crucified the very Son of God. Because they didn't like the peace that he spoke about. Because it wasn't the peace they were looking for, but also true is that it wasn't a peace that they themselves wanted. But there's also natural struggles, natural conflicts that happen. You know, you, you read of tsunamis happening, earthquakes happening, hurricanes, tornadoes. The thing is, you look at the, the globe as a whole. There is conflict everywhere. Whether it's natural, whether it is a global struggle, whether it's external relationships, or whether it's personally inside of you this morning. The thing is, the word of God speaks to all of this, because all of this takes place because of the conscious rebellion against God. Man thought he knew better. And instead of receiving what God had given him, he chose to be in rebellion against God. So sin is at the root cause of everything I just spoke about whether it's inside you personally, whether it is the relationships that you have externally, whether it is something that happens on a global scale, or if it's something of a natural disaster. Because the scriptures say that even the creation is crying out. That's why there's tsunamis. That's why there are hurricanes. That's why there are earthquakes. That's why there's tornadoes. Because the creation itself is groaning because of sin. Nothing is exempt from sin except God. God is not the author of sin. God did not create sin. I had someone ask that question, someone who was, had brought to my attention, someone who was seeking and trying to figure out, well, how did sin come about? It had to be created. If it was created, God created it. And the thing is, that is exactly what the devil wants everyone to believe. God did not create sin. Sin, it, by definition, is rebellion against God and his law. That's how sin came into existence, because Adam and Eve rebelled against God's law. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we also, too, stand guilty. We have struggles that we face. Whether we're a believer in Jesus Christ or not, those struggles do not... Uh, you know, go unseen in each and every day of our lives. And so mankind himself, as a whole, is in an endless struggle trying to cultivate or maintain a personal peace. The thing is, he's never going to find it unless he looks to the one who is the giver of peace. Because nothing that you can do in and of yourself is going to solve the sin problem. Nothing is going to appease God's wrath on your sin apart from what God says appeases his wrath on sin. And if you want to see what peace costs, look at the cross behind me. Because that's how peace came to earth. That's how the Son of God took care of all of those struggles, all of those worries, all of those injustices, 
all of those things that sin has done to corrupt man and to corrupt the world in which we live. So the question is this morning, why do we need peace? It's a good question to ask. Because, you know, why, why, why can't we just say that the status quo is the status quo and nothing's ever going to change? Wow, there you go. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22, tells us why there is no peace. It says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. God says there's no peace for the wicked. Well, who are the wicked? Every person on this planet. Save none. We're all wicked. We are all under sin. We are all under God's wrath for our sin. And the thing is, is if we keep thinking or pretending or hoping with some sort of uh, idea that peace can be had apart from God, then we are fooling ourselves. Because no amount of legislation that's passed in our country, no amount of law enforcement is going to change men's hearts. Only God can do that. Because the book of Romans speaks to this very clearly in chapter 8, verses 6 to 8, because it says there that our fleshly nature is actually hostile towards God. Listen to what Paul uh, penned here. He says, to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So the thing is, no matter how hard man tries in and of himself, if he is trying to gain peace, whether it's internally, externally, on a global scale, or looking at the natural disasters that are happening all around the globe, the only thing that is going to rectify that problem, the only thing that is going to bring peace among all of that turmoil, is someone whose mind is set on the Spirit of God. Because that is where life and peace are. Because everything that we experience here on earth is a direct result of our rebellion against God. And the only way anything is going to change, whether it's in our personal lives, whether it is in the the realm of influence that we have as an individual, going to the extra personal relationships, whether we're looking at it from a national level or a global level, the only thing that is going to fix or to address all of this is God himself, because he is the only one who is not tainted by sin. So when the scriptures say that he is holy, 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 it speaks the truth. And he is the only one who is holy, holy, holy. And that's why there is so much turmoil, so much pain and loss and anguish each and every day in our world. Not a moment goes by where someone is not doing something to hurt someone else. And the thing is, is that the world continues to try and find out and to to really flail in its attempt to create an environment where peace in their mind can thrive, you know, the absence of conflict, when in reality the only way we're truly going to be at peace 
is by knowing the Prince of Peace. See, Romans also speaks to the fact that there is no peace apart from God. It says there in chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified, which justification is being declared righteous by God, says that since we've been justified by faith, notice this, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, stop there for a moment. That's verse 1 of chapter 5. So apart from saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no peace with God. And then everything that we you know, experience, everything that we find ourselves under the wrath of, we deserve. Because we are the ones who rebelled against God. God did not rebel against the creation. The creation rebelled against God. The creation wanted to be God. So unless we're justified by the great judge of all, then we are under his wrath for all of eternity. A wrath that is justified. May it seem unfair to us in a world where we want everything to be fair and equitable and equal. But the only thing that is equal about all of us is that we need peace and peace only comes from God. And through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why verse 8 of chapter 5 goes on to say, But God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. See, Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself when he hung on that cross, thereby being the Prince of Peace. That's why through faith in him, through the justification that comes in Christ alone, we can be at peace with God. Now, does it mean that we we go around, you know, I don't have a a, a life full of uh, non-conflict. Because there's still things that I say and I do and uh, reactions that I have that cause turmoil in my everyday life. Things that I need to confess to God. But the thing is, is the world will never find true peace apart from that blood that was shed on the cross. And so if you want to know the cost of peace, look to the cross. Because that is the wrath of God coming down on the Son of God, the one who did not deserve it, so that you and I, through faith in him, can be justified or declared righteous so that we can experience life and peace through the Spirit of God. That's the only way peace is going to come into our world. And it starts with God transforming people for eternity. And someone who has experienced that release from sin is no longer like everyone else around. That even though things may be at, you know, odds with one another, we have a peace, the scripture says, that passes all understanding when our minds are set on God. That's how we can look at the, the worldscape, and it's not, not us just looking in, in, in without care, because I do care what happens in the world in which I live. I don't want people to get hurt. I don't want there to be natural disasters where people lose their lives. But is it a, a direct result of man's rebellion against God? And only God can free us from that. Because look at it this way, justification is God declaring us righteous, but it is also a declaration of peace. 
So when he says, this one has been bought and paid for because Jesus Christ, my son, took his sin or her sin upon him on that cross and through faith in my son is now cleansed from all unrighteousness so that he is righteous as my son is righteous. It is an actual declaration of peace. That means that God's wrath is no longer on you. You've been freed from that. You are at peace with God. And that is the only thing that ever will matter, you know, no matter how many years you live on this earth. Because remember, we are eternal beings. This is only a, a, not even a drop in the bucket. However many years that you have on this planet is nothing compared to eternity. That's why when we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So does everyone on the planet, because Jesus Christ, God's Son, come, have peace? Absolutely not. But Jesus can give peace to everyone who puts their faith and trust in him. And that's why God is given the glory because God provided a way so that we could experience genuine peace because we are no longer in hostility or at odds with God. We're no longer God's enemy. We belong to him. We are his family. Now, Jesus, after declaring himself to be the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6, listen to what he says in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what is Jesus identifying here? Well, he's he's differentiating between a worldly peace and a God-given peace, an eternal peace. He says, I, I, my peace I, I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Because only Jesus Christ, God's Son, can give us the peace, can give us the release from the, the guilt of sin, and give us the righteousness, and to show us why we were created. Only Jesus can do that. He is the only one who can bring peace into your world. And the interesting thing is, is that Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, and some would look at the scriptures and say, well, isn't this a contradiction, Pastor Bill? Because listen to what it says here. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Well, wait, doesn't it say in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased? Well, see, the thing is, is that as you take a look at this, the reason why it says he hasn't brought peace to the earth is because the message that man is sinful and in need of a savior, that he stands condemned from the the God who created everything, the God who is almighty, is not a message that sinful man wants to hear. Instead, what it will do is that, and you can see this throughout history, that someone who has experienced the forgiveness of God, who is at peace with God, and someone else who is a family member, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a child, uh, whether it's a coworker, are at odds with one another because there is no you know, uh, bridging between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. You're either in one or the other. 
And so what that message does, that as it brings peace to one life, it also brings turmoil into the lives of, of others that you have relationships with. Because some people will spend all of their days in hatred and in anger towards God, suppressing the truth that they are in need of a Savior, that they need anything at all, let alone peace. Because I am the master of my destiny, and I am the one who creates the peace that I have. Listen to what Vance Havner said in relation to peace. He says, Men do not have peace in the world nor in their hearts because they do not have peace with God. Nothing is settled until it is settled right, and nothing is settled right until it is settled with God. So do you see the connection? That true peace comes with being made right with God. And that will affect and permeate every aspect of your life from that point forward until the day that God brings you home and you see the true cost of peace as you look your Savior in the eye, as you see the nail prints in his hands and his feet, to see what hope he had given you, a hope that is fulfilled as you stand in the presence of God Almighty for all of eternity, knowing that the only way that that peace could be had was through Jesus Christ. See, true peace is only found in the presence of Almighty God and nowhere else. So stop looking because there's nothing here on this earth that will give you the peace that your soul needs. Well, Psalm 85 is our psalm that connects with all of this. Uh, And uh, I want to speak for just a few moments in relation to Psalm 85 and the peace of God for those who belong to him. Just looking at four of the verses there. Because verse 4 of Psalm 85 says, Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. See, there's a call here for God to do what only God can do, and that is restore. Why does someone need to be restored to God? Because remember, apart from God, we are his enemy. And only God can come into the life of someone and as it were, breathe life into that which was dead. To bring peace where there was once an uh, antagonistic behavior, uh, you know, war against God. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, because only God saves. Only Jesus saves. Put away your indignation towards us. It may seem odd to think that God would have indignation towards man, But think about it. God is the one who's been wrong. Can God have a righteous indignation towards sin? Absolutely. Because his holy, holy, holiness reveals sin for what it truly is. And that is an act of rebellion against God, a declaration of war against God spiritually. That's why only peace with God, only eternal peace, can be found in Christ. Verse 8 says, let me hear what God the, the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. See, the thing is, even as believers in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the one who is the Prince of Peace, he has given you an eternal peace. Like I said, we still make conscious choices that rob us of the peace of everyday life. And they are calling here to God 
knowing that he will be the one who will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. So why is it that sometimes we are prone to wander? Lord, I feel it, as the, the hymn says. Why are, we, why are we prone to go back and we take a look at the internal struggles? Why do we go back to the, the doubts that we have? Why do we go back to the worries we have? Why do we look at the failures that we, we have done? Why you know, do we look at the, the injustices, the violence, the criminal activity that's happening and allow that to pull us down to rob us of the peace that we have in Christ? It's almost like we're gluttons for punishment. But see, that's exactly what happens when our focus is on the circumstances of life and not on the God who saves and not on the Prince of Peace. And again, this isn't, you're not going to be walking around with a halo over your head saying, I have got all the peace in the world. That's not going to be the case. But the thing is, you rob yourself of the blessing and the joy of knowing the peace of God because you turn back to things that are folly. You keep going back and keep rehashing all those things and you give them power to rob you of the peace that God gives. Not only for eternity, but for the peace of living here on this earth. To know that even though things are are completely amok all around us, that there is a peace that God gives to each believer. Verse 10 says, Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Do you notice the, the connection there between righteousness and peace? You know, and I thought about this as I was going over my sermon this morning uh, earlier, is that there is no peace without righteousness, and there's no righteousness without peace. See, we need the righteousness of Jesus Christ in order to be at peace with God. And the only way that we're going to have peace with God is by having the righteousness of Christ. They're, they're, they're linked together. So if you want peace with God, then you need to know his son. That's why the two kiss each other. They're, they're together in a relationship. And so as the world continues to look for peace, apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, apart from righteousness, guess what? They're never going to find it. It's a fruitless battle. And all they'll be able to settle for is some you know, relief at some point or some sort of escape, which the world is good at trying to provide. Verse 13 says, Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. See, walking with the Lord, abiding with him, taking part in those things which please him, to remember that these are the things that you once were, but now you are. That the scriptures speak to many times over. See, God can guide your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. The reason why you have the Spirit of God living in you is to give you the power to be able to have the peace that you need each and every day because there is turmoil all around you and sometimes turmoil within you, all of which God has the power and is willing and able to free you from. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have to suffer the consequences of the choices you make because God's not going to free you from that. And you can look at a lot of biblical examples to see that there are consequences to the choices we make. But what the Spirit will do is remind you that you are a child of God. 
that he will bring back to your thought everything pertaining to life and godliness. That he will give you a, a peace that will help you be able to navigate through the power of God through a world that looks like there is no way to go. God makes a way. He is the one who makes his footsteps go before us so that we know which way to go. So how should this inform our lives today? Here's the application part. If I haven't applied enough already. When we begin to personally experience that upheaval, and I'm speaking to believers here today. Well, let me speak to unbelievers first. Stop looking in the world to find peace. You'll never find it. You will be hopelessly on an errand that you'll never be able to fulfill, never be able to accomplish, never be able to finish because you're believing the lie that there is peace to be found in this world. Sin has corrupted everything. So stop running, stop searching, and start putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But to believers, I want to encourage you, because we are living in what we can consider the last days. It was the last days back in the first century. So this must be the, at least the last of the last, if you go by millennia, days. And the thing is, is that our world, scripturally, God has said, the one who declares the, the uh, beginning from the end, that this is exactly what's going to happen in the world. That the more the world you know, looks internally, the more the world does exactly what it is prone to do in relation to sin, that it is going to continue to uh, implode and explode. At any moment, one country may go across the lines of another country and declare war and say, we want what you have. And we might be moments away from that as you look at Russia assembling troops. So we may be looking at another conflict, maybe another world war. So how do you have peace? How do you have perspective in all of this? Isaiah 26.3. Keep your mind stayed on God. Not the circumstances, not the things going on around you, because God can give you the ability to look beyond all of that, to give you the much-needed release to know that God is in control and that nothing is happening outside of his permission or power. He is still sovereign over all. And the fact that the world is still continuing to to go forth as it is is because he is long-suffering. Not wishing for any to perish. So the fact that Christ has not returned means that there's still those that need to know. And we shouldn't look on the mercy and the grace of God and his long-suffering in any other way but to point people. And so how do we do that? By keeping our minds on God. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in who? You. In God. Not yourself. Not in the people around you. The one whose mind is at perfect peace is the one who's got a a you know 
unhindered focus, like a horse with blinders on, so that the only thing that the horse sees is right what is in front of them. So put on the blinders so that all that you see is not all of the turmoil going on around you, but on the Lord who gives you that perfect peace. And then he will give you the ability, as he leads you and puts the footsteps in front of you, to guide you through the world in which you live. And last, bring it to God. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. You know, there's no stipulation there. It doesn't say rejoice when things are going well. Rejoice when there's, you know, supposed peace in our world. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be, made, uh, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So he's right there. He is not aloof. He's not removed from his creation. He is still working in and through you as a believer. But also in the world in which he has created. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And this is the key. So when you come to God, when you bring everything to him in prayer, when you bring all of those, those supplications, all of those needs, all of those things that you say, you know, God help us, you fill in the blank. Coming with thanksgiving saying, okay, God, I know that you are able to give me what I need. When you do that, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So do you want peace in the world in which you live as a believer, trying to figure out what you're supposed to do next and how you're supposed to proceed? Well, do what it says in Matthew chapter 5. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and then everything that you have, so anything that you could potentially be anxious about, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Anything. Is there anything that is not anything? Actually got that out, right. Okay, good. Because there isn't anything. It's all inclusive. So don't be anxious about anything. No matter how big nor small, no matter how much it personally affects you or externally affects everyone around you, don't be anxious about it, but bring it to God in prayer. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, because you're not going to be able to understand, wow, how did God do that? Well, you know what? That's what's amazing about our God, because he continues to wow us. So quit holding on to it. Quit bringing it back in. Quit being, as it says there, the fool who is bringing back into their remembrance those things that are doubts, worries, failures, injustices, violence, criminal activities, terrorism, martyrdom, uh, war, tsunamis, hurricanes, earthquakes, and tornadoes, and everything I didn't mention. God's got it. He's got you. The scriptures tell us that he will lose none of us. Not a one. Do you want the peace that passes all understanding? Guess what? It's within your power to go to God and ask him for it. That's one of the neat things about this relationship. 
You know, it would be a whole lot easier, at least in my own experience, of God just to give me the peace that passes all understanding without me having to ask for it. But you know, we need to ask. And he's willing to give. So guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, not in the things that are happening in this world. That is how you're going to have peace in our day and age. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for just being the awesome God that you are. Thank you that you have provided by your grace and your mercy the ultimate example of something that we can put our hope in, or I should say someone, not something. Someone we can put our hope in, someone that is an exhibition of your beautiful love for us through the only one who can bring us eternal peace. And that's why Jesus is the Prince of Peace among many of his titles. Thank you that he took our wrath upon himself because peace is costly. Blood was shed. A life was given. And so, Father, for those who do not know you today, may they come to the Prince of Peace, the only one who is the way, the truth, and the life, the only one that can bring us to the Father. May they repent of their sins, do a 180, and put their faith and trust in Christ alone. So they may experience the peace that passes all understanding. And Lord, I pray for each believer here today that they would not allow themselves or would not give themselves permission to go to the places that take our focus and our mind off of you. Guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.